Hello, welcome back to Ranking 76, where we are ranking the heroes and villains of the American West. I am Eric. And I'm Matt. And today, we're talking about John Wesley Hardin, who, probably not a name that pops off at a lot of people, but those who hear that name definitely know the man. So this will be really interesting. Never heard of him. I before I haven't heard of him until a couple years ago when I ran into a documentary of him and I never forgot him since. So uh, is it one of those people where you're like you you finally figure out like you see him and then you see him everywhere after that and you're like, oh, there he is again. How did I not see him before? Kind of. We can go into that after, but I do want like I'm, I'm excited to see your genuine reaction. So obviously this is an audio podcast. Matt, it, we just see each other's video so I can uh, see when he's shocked or not shocked. And I'm really looking forward to telling this story and just seeing I'm the general he's reaction. a bad person. Man. You don't know that. He's named after John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church. How bad can he be? Oh, right, right, right. Okay. There's no... Uh, just like what uh, Jesse James was, uh, the father, his father was a pastor and he wasn't that bad. Well, John Wesley Harden's father is also a pastor, so there's a lot of parallels going here. Oh, okay, okay. All right, let's go on with this. I'm excited for this one. John Wesley Harden was born on May 26, 1853. His father, as we said, was a preacher, a slaveholder, and also, that goes along with that, a Confederate sympathizer. Just how religious was John Wesley Harden's father? Well, as we just talked about, John Wesley is named after John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church. How Confederate was he? He named his other son Jefferson Davis Harden. During John's early years, the family moved around from place to place, but eventually settled in Texas. John is only eight years old when he witnesses his first murder. Young, young, bringing, Very him in, young. bringing him in young, bringing him in young. I think I was watching Rugrats, if that was still right. <laughs> of Rugrats at eight, or Rocco's Modern Life, maybe SpongeBob. I can't remember when SpongeBob debuted. It's not, and it wasn't someone died, it was someone was murdered. Someone was murdered. Jesse Turner Evans, a described drunken and obnoxious man, owned and owned land and about 41 slaves. Evans loans money out to a man named John Ruff, a 23-year-old farmer. Evans would then verbally abuse Ruff to pay it back, which was pretty typical for Evans, where if you had, if he owed you something, he would just rub it in your face until you paid it back. After one drunken night, Evans, searching for Ruff, uh, wanted to just beat him with his cane, because as you do, and found Ruff near a grocery store and began cursing him out in public. Ruff confronted Evans, who came out with his cane. Evans, however, was not aware that Ruff had his bowie knife on him and would obviously be ready to defend himself. When he unsheathed the knife, Evans' friends that were around him join attack Ruff with chairs. I'm not sure if it was like WWE steel chair style, but they came at him with chairs. Chairs from the old saloon, the big wooden ones. That's right breaking over people's backs like in every saloon fight. In the that movie. just happened to easily break as soon as they hit you. 
what breaks easier, the chairs or the glass and <laughs> the windows right. that they inevitably fall out? The of. doors never fall off the saloon, though. I'll tell you that much. Well, those are always thrown on swings. Out. Yeah. Those, yeah. Yeah, but they get thrown hard. They do. <laughs> uh, Ruff, while he's being hit with the chairs, just starts slashing anywhere within arm's reach. One of those slashes hits Evans in the jugular. Awesome. So he, he done. Yep. He got lucky and sliced him. But I mean, that Bowie knife is huge. Right. It was a big, that's a big knife. Uh, the sheriff intervenes and intervenes and does a ref rough, rough. It's too late for Evans, who dies a short time later. Obviously, the jugular is kind of important. Ruff pled guilty of self-defense and is let go a short time later. Young John Wesley Harden witnessing the entire thing. Around 1862, Hardin growing up in Texas, would see the effigy of Abraham Lincoln burn so many times he actually thought he was the demon, a demon himself. At nine years old, just after witnessing the murder, John Wesley Hardin ran a, wanted to run away to join the Confederates, and as that time, Hardin wrote it is the only time that his father beat him. Even in school, Hardin is surrounded by violence. When a classmate and a rival named Charles Slater accused Hardin of writing a crude dog roll on the wall of the schoolhouse about a girl, Hardin claimed that Slater was actually the author. The two have an argument in the classroom, which leads to Slater coming at Hardin with a knife. At nine. In the school. Yep. Jeez. I'm not sure how old Slater was, because like you also like one room schoolhouse kind of thing. Right. You could have multiple grades in there. But I don't know what was written on that wall, but to come at someone with a knife later, it's intense. Harden pulled out his own knife and, quote, stabbed him twice, almost fatally in the breast and back. God. So I'm guessing he got stabbed once and started to run away and got stabbed in the back. I think you hit it in one. I think that's exactly what happened. Now, it should be said, there's no testimonies other than Harden's autobiography. Uh, Harden wasn't expelled from school and does say that it wasn't self-defense. We will be talking a lot, and I mean a lot, about Harden's autobiography, but we'll get into that later. During another star story of Harden in school, another man named T. Garden recalled years later after the two boys were in school together. T. Garden said Harden actually came to his defense when a teacher was about to hit T. Garden with a piece of hickory. Harden stepped in and confronted the teacher with a knife and said that he would kill him if the teacher hit Teagarden. As he would describe it, the teacher backed down because everyone in the classroom knew that Wes Harden meant what he said. What the heck? I mean, he sees one murder and suddenly something in him just snaps? Yep. Snapping. Oh my god. I mean, at least at least it's uh, good to know that even back in the day, kids were little stabbing each other in school. <laughs> no, 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 little monsters to their teacher, right? Yes. Uh, Jesus I mean, that's, that's a bit that's a bit worse. I mean, listen, if you touch him, you're dead. It's an escalation. Some would say that escalated quickly. It's not quite trident territory, but. What was he freaking sitting on his desk sharpening the knife? <laughs> Just waiting. 
What really happens is the teacher just crossed him and he just really wanted to stab someone. He was already a bloodlust. Gosh. I already don't like this guy. Well, he's uh a now kid. he's now he's fifteen years old. He still has time to turn this around. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm so sure he's turning it around. John is fifteen years old and working at his cousin's farm. Harden and his cousin challenge a former slave named Mage. The match is likely set up by someone else, likely John's uncle uh, named Barrett. During the match, we can only go off of Harden's testimony. He and he claimed that the two boys beat Mage twice and even drew blood from Mage, possibly from an accidental face scratch, according to biographers Chuck Parsons and Norman Wayne Brown. Harden claimed then Mage got mad and said that he could whip the boys, but when John's uncle stepped in uh, and others witness approach, Mage backs down and the match suddenly stops. Mage, still frustrated, quote, armed and angry, would go around the rest of the day saying that he would kill the two boys, saying, quote, no white boy could draw his blood and live. Thinking of his own safety, Harden grabbed his uncle's pistol just in case. Okay. His uncle responded, supposedly, to Mage's threats by kicking him off the plantation. And the next morning, Harden is riding back to his home when he passes Mage on the side of the road. Mage was still upset from the day before. Harden described him as cold-hearted and a coward for not answering his challenge from the day before. John responded with, quote, but playing with him and that the other scratch was unintentional. Mage was still threatened and threatened to throw John into the creek. John tries to escape on his horse, but Mage runs by the side of the horse, grabs it by the bridle, and starts hitting Harden with his walking stick. Harden then pulls his uncle's gun and warn Mage to get back. Harden then shoots him multiple times and leaves him bleeding on the side of the road. He rides back to his uncle's farm and explains what happens, and after explaining the situation, Mage and his family actually bring him back onto the plantation. Mage is still alive, but just barely. He has enough time, he lives just long enough to call Harden a liar, and John's uncle uh, then suddenly sends John back to his parents' house with a $20 piece and tells him to avoid the Yankee soldiers who were in the area that, as we're now in Reconstruction, Texas. So he, he, he did Mage die then? Yeah, Mage died shortly after he came back on the plantation. So then, so then his uncle was like, you got to get out of here, see ya? Right. Let's recount that story, shall we? Two 15-year-old boys are challenged by a former slave in Reconstruction, Texas. The two boys win. The former slave then threatens the rest of the day saying he's going to kill them. In what effing world does that story make sense? Zero. And then... All Uncle did was kick him off the plantation. Right. That would have worked. That part... I believe Mage was leaving the plantation. Everything else, I believe there was a wrestling match. It sounds like there was a wrestling match. That obviously happened because I don't know how else this starts. 
likely mage as a grown man beat both of the teenagers like beat them in the wrestling match harden couldn't accept it followed mage off the plantation the next day and likely just shot up and killed him that is what is the believed story of it that that's what uh like the that is likely they what believe it's a confirmed story it happened because this is it's been talked about it's just the only real account there is is hardened right and when they were I mean, talking so about one, one side of the story right and this is in his autobiography and we'll talk about that in uh probably in just a little bit but harden does this great job that everything he does wrong is in self-defense he is the soldier of the south a good old boy trying to do right and it's almost you can almost see him placing a halo on his head as he's writing a lot of these stories so he's one of those guys that is never in the wrong no no it wasn't me i was protecting myself it's self-defense every time even that teacher huh? mm-hmm. still self-defense he was defending tea garden now, I'll believe Tea Garden's story because I think Wes Harden just wanted to stab someone. So why not? Anyway, back to Mage. Mage is now dead, where we're in the reconstructive era of the South. There's martial law. Harden, if he's convicted into trial, would likely be hung. Why? Because he just literally murdered someone likely in cold blood because he just lost a wrestling match. His father, believing that there was no way a white man would ever get a fair trial against killing a black man, he helps his son to flee. Freedman's Bureau agent Lieutenant Charles Smith learned of the killing and reported it and stated that the killing happened as a young lad had shot, quote, without cause and latter did not seem like the abuse of Harden. Harden shot Mage five times and in the report, quote, every wound dangerous. This was not a boy defending himself. These were likely aimed shots. Yeah, because I guess you would have been able to know, like, if, I mean, he's like really quick scurrying for the gun. Right. It would have been really random. It seemed like it, it wasn't like a random pattern that shot me. Also, he shot five times. If you're really just trying, I think one will do the trick. <laughs> right. It, well, especially when you're like trying to, well, what Run when away. you were telling this story, it didn't even make sense for me was that you were like, he warned him and then just shot him. Yeah. Get back. Bow, 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 bow. Like, yep. come on. Right. Uh, it should also be pointed out that the state police in Texas uh, were really short-staffed going into Reconstruction, and there was one population that was really needed a job, former slaves. So a lot of the freedmen were actually state police. Now enter that environment, a white man trying to claim, like who doesn't obviously like that the South lost the Civil War, slave owners themselves. Well, now a black man is going to arrest you yeah. You can see some kerfuffles happening. So many kerfuffles. Harden is forced into hiding into a friend's house. Word gets around that soldiers are looking for him. And Harden, still only 15 years old, 
grabs a shotgun and a pistol and heads out towards the soldiers. He writes, quote, I ran up on them and demanded his surrender in the name of the Southern Confederacy. He handed me, he answered me with a gun and I brought him to the ground with a bullet from my Colt 44. Harden is hit in the scrape with a wound to the left arm, but doesn't explain how it happened. He and some friends would actually go back and bury the bodies in a creek bed. No other report exists that Harden killed the men. However, years later, three bodies were found where Harden claimed to bury the soldiers. How likely is it that they were Union soldiers looking after him? Probably not very likely. Seems really romantic for a southern uh, southern boy to kill three Union soldiers. Awfully convenient politically. Now that does open up the possibility uh, there were probably three murders that he's not telling about and disguising them as Union soldiers. That's the horrifying fact because <laughs> bodies were found there. Harden would go on to say, quote, I had no mercy on men whom I knew only wanted to get my heart, get my body to torture and kill. It was war to the knife with me and ambush was successful. When writing his autobiography, he says that he was forced to become an outlaw because of Yankee domination in the reconstructive South. It's the North's fault. I have to run. Not that I just killed four people. It's the North's fault because I'm so oppressed. Hardin tells his father and his father doesn't tell the police like a good minister would, I guess. But instead, Hardin finds a job as a teacher. <laughs> I have some anger issues. I have some anger issues. I'm going to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Convenient. Sounds great. He's, he's still a teenager, and he would still carry his gun into the classroom and soon leaves his job uh, to be a cowboy and takes to the life of drinking and gambling as that comes along with the cowboy life. Now that makes sense. They, now, now we're connected. Um, now, I'm actually, I'm going to stop just for a second here because typically I don't show you a picture. This is what John Wesley Harden looks like. Everyone else, if you listen on Podbean or uh, most other sites, uh, you'll actually see this picture. This picture is actually made by uh, Philippe Todd, who actually redoes a lot of these pictures. Uh, and he does a lot of really good work. And Matt, that is what he looks like. Yeah, he looks crazy. He looks like a bad person. <laughs> he looks like a villain in a movie. Yes, he does. I he mean, is. he's not even smiling and he's angry. Very angry. And He's, that is his class photo. That probably is. That is his teacher photo. That is on his name badge. That's how he scans it. That is his happy face. Goodness gracious. He is. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. In December 1869, a man named Benjamin Bradley and Harden started an argument at a racetrack that almost comes to a gunfight. But cooler heads prevail, and the man continues, and the men continue to drink and gamble. What can go wrong? 
During the game, the two men insult each other, and according to Harden, who was winning the game, got up to take his winnings. Bradley got angry and threatened to kill Harden and pulled out his knife. Bradley said that if the winnings were not given back to Bradley, that Harden would not be able to leave without his boots or unarmed. Bradley got up with about six men with him, threatened to kill, and shot at Harden. As they get closer to each other, Harden pulled the weapon and aimed at Bradley's heart and head. Bradley is then to have said, all Lottie, don't shoot me anymore, which is quite the statement from a man who was just shot in the heart and the head. He then fell over. Harden kept shooting, cursing out Bradley as he did. In the newspaper, in a newspaper report, a card game, uh, quote, in a card game argument, Harden claimed that he was missing money. When the lights suddenly went out, Judge Moore, who was playing cards with the men, went missing. And then when the lights came back on, Harden then looked over to him and started for the saloon. When they then came up on Bradley, is that you, Ben? Harden asked. When Bradley confirmed it was him, Harden shot him and fled on horse. Judge Moore was never seen again, possibly killed by Harden. Got rid of everybody, huh? Yep. And that, that story is pretty typical of Harden's autobiography. There is his version and then the newspaper version. So according to the newspaper, the lights just happened to go out right right when the right when the fighting started. How convenient. But it's cra- it's interesting that the judge was never seen again. No one went yeah. looking for him or I'm sure they did, but like he just he just he poofed. <sighs> just went away. Blew out like the tumbleweed. A man did claim under oath that Harden said that he killed two men in Hill County, which which would be this story. Right. So it's likely he did kill that judge too. It's just I don't know how he hit the body. Hey, only one way to get all the winnings to yourself. Yeah, that's that's it. Do you think everyone just keep your eyes shut, everyone? Just and he's like lugging the body out, like everyone, eyes shut still. I, I have a magic trick. I made a man disappear. And another one's heart stopped beating. Stop shooting. Stop shooting. Only I, I can shoot. Only me. West no, that's what the guy said, right? Like, stop shooting me. Oh, Lottie, stop shooting. Yeah, that's Harden's, uh, t- that's Harden's uh, version of it. But again, he just said he shot Bradley in the heart and head and for him to say anything. I think he's dead at that point. <laughs> yeah, there's no saying anything. The only thing he would be saying is... <clears throat> Or, like, it's hardened after the fact, moving his mouth like a puppet. Like, oh, stop hurting me. You're so cool. Like, he needs his own marionette. Yeah, just moving the bottom of his chin. Oh, stop. Oh, Lordy. Yeah. Harden, let's just say, has has some issues. Harden, so after killing, uh, likely the judge and Bradley... Harden claimed that the mob that a mob was searching for him, which would seem to confirm that the newspaper side of the story was the correct version of the story. Uh, Harden's father again hides John with his cousin, and when he gets the opportunity, they flee town. While fleeing, Harden stops at, he- at Union Hill and was sitting at a campfire when a performer traveling with the circus bumped into Harden's arm. Oh God! <laughs> Harden took offense to it and shot him. 
There are no confirmed deaths, or even the newspaper story on the shooting doesn't even mention a death, nor Harden. Uh, Harden is the only account, and he said that he shot the man between the eyes to defend his honor. Man, it must have been crazy back then. You accidentally bump into someone. No, 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 no. He was crazy. <laughs> now, in the wild, like in the West, obviously, rough and tumble place. This guy is a whole right. separate level. Yeah, he's insane. Yes. I wonder if at the I wonder if when he was eight and saw his first murder, if he was like smiling the whole time. Like And like wringing his hands. The only time he's smiling is if someone's dead around him. I would believe it. Do you remember when we were like appalled at Jesse James? Just making him look like a saint. He's like 16. John Wesley Harden is like 16 at this point. God, he's not even an adult. Yes. He's already killed four, five people. Mm, we're at like six or seven. Jeez. Now, I will say, like, there are so many murders. So many murders that I literally had to stop multiple times looking into him. Because I just had to stop. I literally, I remember closing my laptop one day and saying, stop murdering people. It got to me. Because it's literally, as I was reading that, it was like, okay, there's going to be a pause because he just murdered someone. I can, you know, kind of focus on something else. And then they, like, the next sentence is, well, then he shot someone. And then he killed him. So basically he just walks around without a care in the world. Like, he just does what he wants. Yes. If someone wrongs him, dead. I don't even think they need to wrong him. Well, yeah, bump into him, apparently. Yeah, that's all you need. Uh, yeah, he is a whole new level <laughs> of outlaw. Uh, top tier, top tier outlaw. It also helps that he also has like a never ending line of cousins that he can hide with. And they all seem to like just continue to hide him. So the only people that are safe are like his cousins, which is real frustrating. Yeah. Cause he just uses them to hide for a yes. while now. And I will. So again, we just talked about like, I had to stop because he was murdering too many people. I literally, I had to go back almost like murder per murder to make sure I wasn't confusing him with other murders. So if somebody who was a John Wesley f- fanatic, if I've, m- if I've mixed around a few murders, I'm sorry, but it took me like five hours to write this narrative after the research was done when normally it takes me like two or three. So like it was, there's so many murders. Anyway, I've skipped a few murders just for the, just for sake. Only a few. Anyway, John Wesley Harden killed a circus performer because he bumped into his arm for his honor. Next, While hiding from the law, Hardin believes that he is about to seduce a woman who invites him back into the house. As the two are about to uh, get the freak on, they hear a firm knock on the door by a nan named Comstock. The woman is actually a prostitute and is actually there to set up Hardin, who does not have any money to pay her. Hardin takes a second to think and sees that there's more money in the saddlebag, but Comstock asks for all the money that's on him. Harden then pulls the money out of his pocket and on purpose drops some coins on the floor. And when Comstock bends over to pick him up, I think you can figure out the rest of the story. 
as Comstock looks back up at Harden, he sees Harden's pistol, and that's the last thing he ever sees. Harden kills him. <sighs> Harden stays with more family around the season of 1870 and actually stays low and, more importantly, doesn't kill anyone for like a year. Harden and the Texas State Police are expanding and are believed to be becoming more organized. Not great for a teenager who already has a growing body count. And in fact, in January 1871, Harden is arrested and is misidentified as a man who killed the marshal, na a marshal named John Hoffman. Hoffman was found shot in the back of the head by an outlaw. So they finally arrest him, but it's this one he didn't actually commit. I thought However, for sure he did. Oh, they're pretty sure because it did seem like they, they knew the one. They just happened to, uh, hey, do you know that teenager that's murdering everyone? It's probably him. Why don't we go after him? <laughs> While under arrest, Hardin is taken to the town of Marshall, Texas, and awaits for two days for his transfer and then trial in Waco. Hardin attempts to convince three other prisoners on a, on, who are there on three minor charges to ambush the escorts when it's time uh, for the trial, and then they would kill the escorts and escape. Wanting to take no part of that, they turn him down. However, one inmate is able to smuggle in and have Harden buy a revolver off him while another prisoner uh, was waiting for transfer. When Harden is finally taken to transfer and heading to, to Waco, Texas, he is tied to his horse and waits for the police escorts to gather and to feed their horses later that night. They somehow do not discover Harden stuff the pistol in his armpit. It was kind of like hanging around his neck and he stuffed it underneath his left arm. And during their pat down, somehow they didn't see the pistol. Don't know how, but he's able to keep a lazy, his gun. A lazy pat down as well. How? Yes. Yes, it was. Harden, according to Harden, during the entire time, quote, talked very humbly with full morality and religion and was strictly down for the lawlessness of all kinds. They ride through the night and in the next morning, Harden waits for one of the uh, one of the two escorts to gather feed for the horses while alone with the other policemen. Harden is able to get a hold of the repeating rifle and shoots the man and is able to make his escape. He, he thinks there is time to flee to Mexico, uh, but is actually possibly arrested south of Waco. Not quite sure what happened after he but his his But he uh, was so he escaped but was caught. Very quickly. But it's also kind of muddy on what his plans like, were. Right. Uh he's possibly arrested. And the reason this is why it's muddy because he he claims he was arrested and he's able to escape again uh because he's arrested by a policeman named Smith, Jones, and Davis. Harden claims they waited until they were all drunk and then asleep. After seeing where they left their weapons, he sneaks over and grabs a shotgun, killing Smith and Jones, and then finishing off Davis with a six-shooter. The only testimony comes from Harden himself, and while there are plenty of officers named Smith, Jones, and Davis, none of them are listed as actually being killed in action. Either the state didn't want to publicize a 17-year-old was willing to kill five state policemen in a matter of a month, or Hardin made the entire story up. He even claims that he took an oath to himself to, quote, never surrender to the muzzle of a gun. Regardless, 
Harden flees to family again. This time, they think that crossing the Texas border is a good idea instead of Mexico. They choose to take him on the Comstock Trail, which actually ends in Abilene, Tech, in Abilene, Kansas. Since the police cannot go across state lines, cattlemen seem like the perfect job for Wes Harden. There are definitely challenges on the cattle trails. Incredibly long hours, fending off thieves, running into other cowboys, as well as the threat of stampedes that could happen literally at any sudden noise. Seems like a brilliant idea to bring a man like John Wesley Harden, who is just known for keeping his cool under stressful situations. But maybe he's found his new calling. They cross the Red River, which is actually the natural bounding between American land and native land. That was in the 19... It was in the 1870s, so all the rules that apply to the Bozeman Trail in Red Cloud's episode apply here. Natives did not want thousands of cattle running through lands and scaring them away, uh, along with the cattle also eating all of the grass. Some tribes would obviously charge, uh, would actually attack, but some would actually charge a tax on per head of the cattle. Hardin catches one native stealing a horse and threatened to kill the animal if Hardin didn't allow him to take it. Well, Hardin wouldn't allow him to take it, so the native killed the animal, killed the horse. Hardin just killed, killed the native. Sure did. Didn't see that one coming. Who would have thought? Then placed him on the horns of the steers as a warning not to mess with this herd. Jeez. Near Wichita, Kansas, Hardin uh, claimed that a man named Hosea, actually Hosea is Hardin's racist name against all Mexicans. So if you just, everyone is Hosea to Wes Hardin if you're Mexican. Anyway, Hosea yelled at Hardin that he was not moving his herd fast enough. And what I'm assuming amounts to 1870s version of road rage. Hardin told told Hosea, to just pass and go ahead. Somehow this angers Hosea, who rides off to go grab his rifle. He then rides back to Harden, and then he gets within about 100 yards and starts shooting. One bullet knocked Harden's hat off of his head. Ooh. Harden, has, Harden has enough time to fire two shots back before two other cowboys go in to stop the two from shooting each other because... There's a couple hundred head of cattle that can stampede at literally any noise. Stop shooting at each other. The parties return to their camps, but before long, another argument flares up again. Gunfire is traded again. Hardin claims in his autobiography that there were 25 or more men that joined in the gunfight. Hardin wrote, quote, In an instant, I fired first at one and then the other. The first shot went through his heart, and then he dropped out. The second shot went through another man's lungs. Jim shot one, too, and he fell off his horse, and I was going to shoot him again. He then begged me and held up his hands not to shoot. I would never shoot a man, not even a treacherous Mexican, and I begged him down. I knew he would die anyway, and comparing notes after the fight, we agreed that I had killed five of the six dead Mexicans. How honorable. Like, he's, he's uh, happy with himself. 
Yes, he's very he pleased. What he did. Killed five of them, boys. <laughs> did the oh, guy that he originally was fighting with? Um, did he die too? I think he's dead. Yep, Jose is dead. Now we're going to go to the newspaper account. Okay. <laughs> Which so here's seems what a little, probably would have happened. Uh, it's a little. It's not not quite how Harden describes it. A newspaper report would have gotten a hold if twenty men started firing at each other, and there is no account in the newspaper with of about cattle being left alone. Uh, the only newspaper account from the time period is about cattle being left alone and going into a farmer's cornyard. And it ended up with two men being killed. That's as close as you can find in the area's newspapers. In an interview years later, now also it should be said, the newspaper may also be downplaying a fight because it's trying to uphold like the reputation of the town. That I can believe. In an interview with a man named Fred Dutterstad, who recalls later down that he rode with Harden on this drive. He does describe Harden's story pretty accurately, but lowers the active shooters between 25 from 25 to closer to five to 10. The interviewer does claim that the Mexicans started it and brought on the fight themselves. Dutterstad then claimed they buried the bodies by the little Arkansas river. Just remember little Arkansas just for a couple minutes. Uh, how many men did Harden say that he killed? Five of the six. And if only five or ten were in the battle. I was going to say, did he just turn around and shoot everyone that was on his side? I think he entered dead eye mode from Red Dead Redemption and just, just shot them all at once. Successful cattle drive, everyone. <laughs> because I mean, how do you even continue after that? You lost like your employees. I mean, it was another herd, so it was another. It was another. Oh, it was someone else's. Yes, gotcha. Because like the 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 main issue, the crux of the issue, were that Harden wasn't moving Traffic fast jam. enough. Yes, and then they were merging into each other. It ended up with possibly five or six men killed. Out of five or six, five or ten. Out of five or ten. So if the story happened, Harden basically just killed everyone. <laughs> <laughs> But good news, they made it to Abilene. They did it. Probably because everyone realized they were with a maniac and they needed to get to a town as fast as they possibly could. Right. But the problem is, they're going to Abilene, Kansas. And if you're going to make Abilene, Kansas in the 1870s a formula, it's basically young men with some money and booze. That equals Abilene, Kansas. Abilene was a wild town. It was at the end of the Comstock cattle trail and cowboys would spend months at a time on the drives and then party with other cowboys or alone when they get into town. They would get paid a pretty good salary. The closest I can kind of think of is, do you remember like Alaskan crab fishing, deadliest catch? Mm-hmm. At the end, they would tell you how much they'd make like $40,000 for yeah. like three months. Think that type of thing. Same young men, that type of thing. So a lot of cash-heavy cowboys, young men, with a bunch of booze. They would then stay and celebrate in Abilene for a few days or, well, until their money ran out. A lot of gambling and violence. 
enough violence that the town actually passes a few gun control laws. In charge of Abilene at this time is old friend. Wild Bill Hickok. It sure is. Uh, I was going to say, uh, yeah, we know how rowdy cowboys are. Because remember when he was uh, in his episode, we th- he had a story where the cowboys came in and they were all rowdy. And he did he shoot one of them? Uh, he threatens to shoot a lot. But if you remember, he basically came in and his reputation basically stopped a lot of fights. And so, yeah, same era. So they so they had a run in. Well, I guess we'll see. Wild Bill Hickok is actually aware of John Wesley Harden and his growing reputation. Harden already has a $400 reward on his head in Texas. The Chisholm Trail starts in the south uh, on the Texas, just south of the Texas-Oklahoma border, which means a lot of men would have traveled the trail before them and let Hickok know. Like his reputation would have already been there. Again, Abilene has a strict no gun or no uh, gun ordinance that Wild Bill enforces. But if he enforced it all the time, that would be the only thing he would do. So there was selective enforcement. A local newspaper uh, would say that the fine for carrying your gun was $75 and $300 for firing your gun in town. Harden is obviously aware of Wild Bill's fame, keeps his gun and almost just really wants to meet Wild Bill because why wouldn't you? I'd want to meet Wild Bill. I suspect Wesley has a few different uh, intentions. Right. I'm assuming he wants to engage in a firefight with him. Wouldn't that be terrible? Harden even claims Philco. Do you remember Philco from Wild Bill's? Uh, I remember the, it was, is that Wild Bill's friend that he accidentally kills? Same fight, Williams was the friend that Wild Bill cocked, but it was the same gunfight. Okay. So Phil Coe actually talked to, again, keep in mind the source, because there's only one source and you know where it comes from. Harden claimed Phil Coe talked about killing Hickok and Harden refused. I guess that's really it. I don't know why I built that up so much, but yeah. (laughs) Harden's such an upstanding citizen. He won't kill a man in cold blood because someone else asked him to. He wants to do it if he wants to do it, not if someone else tells him. Yes. He's his own man, damn it. Wild Bill has a decision to make on how he's going to confront this young maniac. When they do meet, Wild Bill cordially meets Harden, even showing Harden the Texas bounties that were on his head while they were drinking together. Hickok told Carr Harden, quote, I am favorably impressed with you and don't let them influence you. You are in enough trouble now. If I can do you a favor, I will do it. He gives him the name Little Arkansas, proving that Bill would have known about the fight on the prairie only a couple weeks before, because that's where they buried the body was the Little Arkansas River. While Bill calling him Little Arkansas, it's kind of like a wink and a nod of, I know what you I did. I know what you did. So again, we talked about Hickok wouldn't consistently enforce the no gun ordinance in, in Abilene. The selective enforcement could have some awkward situations. And after coming into the saloon in a bad mood, Hickok face hardened and supposedly said, what are you hauling that about? And what are you doing with those pistols? He then placed Harden 
under arrest, according to Harden. Harden tells the story that he handed his pistol over with the butt of the pistol pointed towards Hickok. When Hickok went to reach the gun, Harden flipped the pistol around and had both barrels pointed at Hickok. The trick is fairly common and is actually called the road agent spin. If you've seen Josie Wales with Clint Eastwood, it's in that in the saloon scene where he flips it around. It's that. Harden, quote, to put his pistols up the way he did, I cursed at him for long I cursed at him for a long-haired scouser who would shoot a boy in the back. As I have been told he intended to do to me. He said, Little Arkansas, you have been wrongly informed. That's Harden's version of the story. Hickok tried to arrest him. Harden pulled a trick on him, had basically had the drop on on Hickok. And Hickok backed down. Yes, basically invited him to do a drink. I don't know what you're talking about, just coward. A friend of Harden would describe a different scene. He claimed that it happened in the, in the Black Bull Saloon, and that Bill came up and saw Harden standing near the bar with his pistols out. Hickok came over and said, quote, Arkansas, you better put up your pistols. Better put your pistols up before you go off and hurt somebody. Harden complied, and according to the friend, quote, didn't seem to get mad about it. A bit of a difference there. <laughs> yep, sure is. But it's a hell of a story, isn't it? Hardin's stay in Abilene was never intended to be permanent, but he does have to rush out of town in the middle of the night in August. According to Hardin, he was sleeping in his room when he heard a man trying to force his way in. Hardin met him with a shotgun, and when the man began to flee, Hardin shoot him, putting four bullets in his back. Hardin then, with his friend staying with him, then felt the sudden urge to leave, and in the middle of the night, in their nightshirts, all of a sudden. That's Hardin's version. The newspaper's version of it, August 6th, the victim identified as Charles Cougar was murdered and identified as someone as Wesley Clemens, alias Arkansas. A most fiendish murder was perpetrated at the American house in the city. Cougar was a boss cast was a boss cattle herder and is said to be a gentleman. Cougar was in his room sitting up in bed reading a newspaper. Four shots were fired through the board partition. One of those struck him in the fleshy part of the left arm, passing through the third rib and entering the heart, killing Cougar almost instantly. The murderer escaped when thus has eluded pursuers, and if caught, will probably be killed on sight. Imagine just reading a book and then dead instantly. Now, the other story, the more famous story, how it comes is, instead of reading a newspaper, they actually picture... Uh, Cougar was obviously he was like leaning back on the the wall, like right. next he's on his bed leaning back, and he was snoring too loud. And that's what Harden like that. Harden on the other side of the wall in his separate room shot him four times. Decided something had to be done with this loud snoring because a knock on the wall, the whole dun da da dun dun knock, that wouldn't succeed. That wouldn't succeed. Or, do, 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 shut up. Yeah, that wouldn't have worked either. No, the only way to do it is to shoot someone, kill them, and they're snoring permanently. What I do like in Harden's event, like, so in Harden's story, a man was breaking into his room. He then started to flee. He shot him in the back. Okay, that's fine. That explains 
that can explain in your head why the victim had these particular wounds. Because if obviously if if Cougar is leaning up against the back of the wall, he's going to get shot in the back. All Harden's story can be believable if you don't know John Wesley Harden until why are you fleeing in the middle of the night in your nightshirts? Like, why did you have to leave right now if that's what you just said, if you were right. defending yourself? There's nothing wrong if you're defending yourself. Right. But he has a reputation, little Arkansas. John Wesley returns to Texas in a hurry. But while he was in Kansas, the Texas State Police become stronger and gain new recruits. When they learn that Harden is back in Texas, they formulate a plan to start moving in. Quickly, two men named Lackey and Paramore find Harden at a town named Smiley Lake, a new-founded town that is used by men on cattle drives. They confront Harden at a general store. Paramore goes in the general store alone and demands Harden surrender his weapons. When Harden went to turn over his pistol, he shoots Paramore. Outside, Lackey hears the gunshots and returns fire. Harden is able to hit Lackey in the mouth and ride off. With a new member of the Texas State Police dead and another wounded, this gets the attention of the Texas State Governor, and Harden is now a priority to catch. Finally. On a random side note, uh, Harden gets married shortly after this happened. The couple have a daughter. They're rarely mentioned. Uh, but he is married. He does have a daughter. There you go. Shortly after his marriage, Harden is laying low until he's <laughs> Harden is laying low and playing a game of bowling with a friend named Sublet. A nice, casual, friendly game of bowling. <laughs> Harden claims to have beat Sublet six times in a row. And then an argument ensues. The two have to be separated by a friend who then offers to go buy both of them a drink. A fuming sublet excuses himself from the group. Harden, suspicious, grabs his gun from his horse just in case. The alarm bells in Harden's head must have really gone off when the friend that separated sublet and Harden in their fight actually invited Harden to use this very specific alley that Sublet just uses. Just go down that alley for just a minute. Just as Harden goes down the alley, a shotgun blast went off, following by Sublet's voice as it boomed, clear away, I will shoot anyone that interferes with me. Come out, you GDS of a B. Sublet fired one barrel of the shotgun and then missed. Then a drunken man, who I'm assuming was actually trying to help, is trying to pull Harden away, but actually pulls Harden into a doorway that made Harden more visible. With a good target, Sublet fired again and hit Harden. Sublet ran away as Harden was, able, was unable to shoot. Harden was taken to the doctor where he was then treated. Two balls struck the left of his navel, and it passed through his kidney, lodging between his backbone and his ribs. The other struck his belt, got stuck in his belt buckle, probably saving his life. He was alive, but he's in a lot of pain. 
could you imagine like where the hell did I get shot and just finding a bullet in your belt buckle? Just ran, yeah, like ugh. Well, even so, falls out. Holy moly! He got shot with a with a shotgun, so it's not just it's not one slug; it's pellets, like it's multiple. So I mean, it it messed him up. So he got lucky. He got very lucky, um, especially when also- you get put in a doorway, which is like it outlines you. Yes, that's how Billy. That's like. That's the famous part of Billy the Kid's story of Pat Garrett. He's silhouetted in the doorway, and it's an easy target. Because of his recent killing of Lackey, Harden isn't able to recover in the same place for long. And it isn't too long before himself when he realizes he's going to die if he doesn't seek legitimate medical attention. So he allows himself to be surrendered. Harden is arrested. It's finally happened. Dun, da, da, dun, dun, dun. He is not even, he's 20 years old. 20. He's Imagine, 20 years oh old. Oh my God. He killed so many people before he could even legally drink nowadays. I mean, he was clearly drinking before, but yes. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure how many saloons were checking IDs in the 1870s. No, I'm saying like in the now times. I know. I know. I know what you're saying. Harden is taken to Travis County Jail and again awaits transfer to Waco for his trial. This is now the second time this has happened. Travis County Jail was notorious for being a rundown and just not fit to keep anyone in. A reporter visited Harden and wrote of his cell was, quote, a single room without air ventilation, fested with vermin, reeking of abdominal stench. I'm pretty sure it smelled like farts. That's what he said. In a crowded, sweltering, massive, suffocating human beings who stripped themselves naked because of the intolerable heat. The journalist then continued, quote, we should bring a we should bring a blush of shame to every citizen in our county. It is a disgrace to the age and a crime against humanity. The jails, the jails are bad here. Not the man, the jail. On the first leg of his transfer towards Gonzalez County, they arrived a crowded gathered and were furious with the police because of his conditions in jail. Harden was now being treated as a hero because he was mistreated in jail. Angry that Harden was in chains, someone said, quote, he had done more for the peace and welfare of this county than any man in it. Oh my, they didn't even know. Like, do they even know who this guy is? I would like to think the guy to his immediate left was like, how? How did that happen? <laughs> Explain. Like, stop treating the ma- Wait, what? What did you just say? No, He's no, a no, saint. No, 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 no. <laughs> what? The crowd quickly quiets down you know and the guy's like looking around for support yeah right right i said joe montagna (laughs) it's that scene from the water boy where they all get really quiet and what what did i say so yes the crowd is is angry a mob is angry with john wesley harden and unfortunately it's at the police the sheriff who was just handed who harden just got handed over is told 
that the sh- is told that they may as well let Harden go because the sympathy of the citizens was growing with him. And if he was not released, there would be a mob or someone would help him to escape. And wouldn't you know it, a jailer gave him a saw to cut through the bars of his window and Harden escaped. Dude just gets break after break. After following his escape, the governor of Texas raised the reward from $400 to $1,000. They really want this guy. Really, really want him. Now we're going to take just a bit of a side break from all of John Wesley Hardin's murder to talk about, well, a, a little bit more murder. Uh, this is called the, the Sutton-Taylor feud. In the background during all of this in Texas, in the county that Hardin is in, there was a family feud between the Taylors and the Suttons that possibly dates back to the 1840s. We're entering a time in DeWitt County of the DeWitt County War between the two sides. Disputes between neighbors were rampant over land, over land boundaries, cattle ownership, and water rights. Vigilante groups, frequently little better than, better than the outlaws themselves, were often the only law that can be found. Escalating the tension was a drought, and cattle prices were soaring. So if you were a cattle rustler or a cattle thief, you could take make a lot of money just by stealing someone else's cattle. The Taylors, led by Pitkin Taylor, whose brother was Creed Taylor, was a Texas Ranger. The Suttons, led by William E. Sutton, was a former Confederate soldier who had moved to DeWitt County along with his family. The Suttons became... Sutton became the local deputy sheriff in March 1868. He shot and killed Charlie Taylor, who was then attempting to arrest him on a charge of horse theft. On Christmas Eve, Sutton killed Buck Taylor and Dick Chisholm after an argument regarding the sale of horses. Sutton was appointed as Texas State Police under under Captain Jack Helm. This annoyed the Taylors quite a bit. The state police ambushed and killed Jack Hayes Taylor in August 1869. Almost exactly a year later, the Sutton Helms men arrest Henry and William Kelly, sons-in-laws of Pitkin Taylor, on August 26, 1870. Rather than just taking them in, they just kill them. No trial, nothing, just kill nope. them. Well, again, it was all about the feud. And right. why are you going to, we just saw with Wes Harden, how, uh, how efficient... <laughs> The, the murderers. Yes. <laughs> you could do well in murder during the 1870s in Texas, I feel. But yes, yeah, so basically these two fe- these two families are feuding. They One becomes the state, uh, basically the sheriff or the town marshal, kills the other family because of a feud and he's able to get away with it. In the August of 18, in the summer of 1872, Pickin Taylor is lured away from his house by a party of Sutton sympathizers and shot. He eventually dies, but does last on for six months. Shortly after, Pitkin Taylor, again, the father of Jim Taylor, in August 1873. He was shot through the door of Quarrel Saloon, wounding William Sutton. However, Sutton lived, but Jim was not yet through. He again tried to kill, kill him in June, but Sutton was able to escape. In the summer of 1873, the Taylor faction killed a man named Jim Cox. 
another member of the Sutton group. And in May, Jim Taylor and John Wesley Harden shot down and killed Jack Helm. Harden has connections to both initially has connections on both sides, but doesn't know what side he's going to go on. But when he kills the deputy sheriff, Jack Helm, putting him firmly on the side of the Taylor, he organizes a fight that would eventually kill two men. Chuck Parsons, biographers Chuck Parsons and Norman Wayne Brown would write, Harden was probably there as well during the fight that killed the two men, for he had planned the ambush. He later wrote, perhaps with a smirk on his face, that it was, quote, currently reported that I led the fight, but as I have never pleaded to that case, I will have at this time very little to say. Wink, wink, nod, nod, I was there, but they haven't charged me with that murder yet. So I'm not going to say anything. Oh, no. Did I do it? Did I not? I'm not saying yes. I'm not saying no, but I'm not saying I wasn't. But my smile on my face says I definitely did. Going back to the attack on Jack Helm. So again, Harden was on the fence on what side he was going to take. But then Jack Helm insulted his wife. Harden then attacks a plan to kill Helm. And depending on the source, he either Harden either attacks him at work and Helm worked as a blacksmith or he attacked Helm when he was at breakfast. When someone came up behind Helm, they fired but misfired. And then when Helm turned around, Harden pulled his gun out, fired and broke his arm. Helm ran for cover in a shop, but someone followed and shot him. Jack Helm was dismissed from the force, however, and he continued to serve the county of, of county sheriff. With Helm gone, basically he was too injured, but he was still, he didn't resign the position, but he really wasn't able to enforce it anymore. William Billy Sutton then became the recognized leader of the group. For the first days after the shooting, a group of 75 Taylors and 50 Suttons were squaring up to fight in the town battle style when citizens were concerned that maybe a battle is about to interrupt, urged them to stop, and they form a peace treaty that they said would last forever. Kind of. Now, we have to stop there because we've already, t- we're talking a lot about John Wesley Harden. It goes into the Tut and Taylor feud. John Wesley just played his part, so we're leaving it there. Sometime down the road, we are going to just have an episode over this feud because I'm sure over the last 10 minutes, that very abridged version got really date heavy and really confusing. So we are going to do what you just did. You told three quarters and then said, stay, stay to be continued. <laughs> yep. well, we're not going to tell you what happens. Yep. Now, there's a treaty, treaty there's a peace treaty. Between them, we are stopping it there. So see us next week. Same bat time. Season two released later on in 22. You know, I am a fan of Deadwood, and they never gave me a fourth season, so I'm doing it to people now. They gave me a movie 10 years later. Show gets canceled. No one ever knows what happened. Not for 10 years. I'm not bitter HBO. Okay. So again... Harden's already played his role in the Tut and Sailor feud. So we are running away from that because there's a lot more to that story. 
because Harden has another murder that's going to take his attention. This one, his name, the victim's name is Charlie Webb. Charlie Webb first appeared in Texas uh, when he was selected lieutenant in the Texas Rangers in 1874. When he and his band of Texas Rangers dissolved, Webb was hired as the deputy sheriff of Brown County. Webb learned of Harden's bounty and the, quote, dead or alive status and looked to maybe collect the bounty. On May 26th, he tracked down Harden and his cousins at a saloon. Harden is celebrating his 21st birthday and winnings at the horse races. And depending on the source, Webb was either bragging about how he was going to kill Harden or he just wanted to bet on the horses himself. Not really clear his intention, but he was probably going after Harden and the bounty. Harden, celebrating his 21st birthday again, had been, is well, well drunk at this point. Harden wrote his autobiography, quote, I thought I better go home to avoid any possible trouble. Harden had then got someone to pull around the wagon before they had home. Harden then just wanted to purchase some supplies and they were going to meet at the Jack Wright Saloon just in time for one final drink. That's all he wants. He just wants one more drink before he goes home. It's just his 21st birthday. Harden admitted to being dangerously intoxicated when the local deputy, Frank Wilson, seeing that Harden was drunk, came up to him, locked Harden's arm, and told him that he needed to get out of town and that he was violating the town's ordinance of having his guns on him. Harden denied having his gun, even though that was clearly a lie, but he did say that he was waiting for his brother to bring around the buggy, and then they were going home. Then Harden saw a man he didn't recognize and saw two six-shooters at his side. Jim Taylor encouraged Harden, saying that it was time to leave. But Harden just now wanted, quote, one more cigar. Just one more cigar, guys. It's my birthday. It's one more cigar. Another friend and local policeman, John Carnes, mentioned someone was talk was walking towards them and identified him as Brown as the Brown County Sheriff when it was actually Charles Webb. So Harden, drunk, thinks that the sheriff is coming after him, like right now, walking towards him. Oh boy. This isn't going to end good. I just have a feeling. Webb is walking towards the famous and notorious drunk cop killer. And Harden looks him up and down with one. Webb approaches with one arm behind his back. (laughs) Just tucking in my shirt. Just tucking in my shirt. I feel like this is like when the Morgan Freeman and this is when he knew. He messed up like that had to flash in his mind. Oh, this is actually a horrible idea. I don't know what I'm doing here. Harden asked Webb what was behind his back. And Webb only had a cigar. I'm only assuming it was a reflex that Webb had his hand behind his back, but he was he wasn't armed. He just had a cigar behind his back. Harden then asked Webb if he had any papers for his arrest. Webb replied that he didn't know him. (laughs) I don't know you. Why would I have arrest papers for you? (laughs) So then Harden replied, I am the damned desperado, John Wesley Harden. Now you know me. 
Webb replied to him again that he didn't know Harden probably like half crying at this point like seriously man i don't know you i really don't just go about your business man i don't know harden responded back i have been informed that the sheriff of brown county was no sheriff or he would not allow me to stay in with the comanche with my murdering pals webb replied i am not responsible for the sheriff of brown county i am only a deputy <laughs> In Hardin's autobiography, according to Hardin, he then turned friendly. He asked Webb to come and join him inside the saloon. And Webb agreed, probably because he didn't have another choice, did he? Right. There's and no other soon, options. And as soon as they enter the bar, the bartender shouted, Look out, Jack! And Hardin turned around to see Webb with a pistol aimed at Hardin. Webb shot and hit Harden on the left side. Harden fired and shot Webb in the left cheek, and Webb fell dying against the wall. Now the newspaper. Webb had earlier arrested three of Harden's gangs. Harden and his friend rode into town waiting for Webb at the saloon. When they entered the saloon, an argument started. The outlaws paired off two in front and two to the side. Webb retreated to the outside of the house where they followed off the pairing again. They then pulled their weapons and Webb drew and fired with rapid with rapidly. The outlaws returned fire. Webb fell mortally wounded in his neck, his hand, the abdomen, and then soon expired. So Webb's dead. Webb's dead. He basically got fired by five guys, four off to the side of Wesley Harden. And then he, he's well dead at this point, likely dead before he even hits the ground. And this is the most exciting thing I'm going to tell you, because the next source is from the trial. There's a trial, Matt. He actually goes to trial. <laughs> I was going to say, so you got caught, huh? <sighs> yeah, he does. The world is safe, isn't it? During the trial, at this time, the judge Thurmond of Brownwood, who was standing in the street, uh, called to Webb saying, come on, come here, Charlie, at which Harden turned to Thurmond saying, you go on. We are attending to Charlie now. So basically someone saw Charlie like, hey, Charlie Webb, come over here. Right. This like is a bad idea. Like, hey, get over here. I got to talk to you about something. And Harden pulled a wait a minute. We're talking to him now. Webb started to go to Thurmond, but when was again detained by Harden, who remarked, no, goddamn you, I am not afraid of you. And then they killed him. Did Harden get shot then? Yes, he was shot. Like, did he really get shot? Nothing wounded, like nothing like serious, but yes, he, he was shot. So Webb is now dead. And Webb was the absolute wrong man to kill. A lot of the state police, as we've seen in the Taylor Sutton feud, were just as bad as the outlaws. But that wasn't Webb. Webb, to all accounts, seems to be an upstanding, do-your-job type of type of policeman with a growing and good reputation. Hearing the news, a mob soon started to form. 
but this time the mob is angry at John Wesley Harden. This seems to be like a last straw kind of moment. Harden had had to deal that he not only killed another lawman, but he also killed a former Texas Ranger. So now they're now now motivated. Right. Now the Rangers are after him, huh? It is finally closing in on 21 year old John Wesley Harden. (laughs) What a terror. Yes, he was. Do you think the guy who said that he had done more for the peace in this county than anyone, he's still like standing there like, guys, guys, is this the same guy? (laughs) Just what, two years before? He was like, what, 19 when that happened? Not even. This was like months. (laughs) (laughs) You remember he killed Mage when he was 15. Right. This is all during a six year period. Yeah, he, he went on a terror like. He just went on a killing spree and yes, yes, he did. And it's now like he walked into someone died. Yeah. What is it? Uh, actually, we'll, we'll get into it in counting coup. Anyway, after hearing that a mob was starting to form, Harden had actually had mobs after him before, but again, this one was different. A mob of 150 Texans caught five of Harden's friends right away. They were then cornered and then set fire to a brush outside of town until they surrendered. Other family members were either lynched, made a last stand, or were arrested. John Walner, a Texas Ranger, then placed all of Hardin's family under what he called protective care. But really what he was trying to do was to stop any of Hardin's almost infinite family from protecting him, from hiding him again. He then flees and has to evade Walner. Walner, according to Hardin, Walner and his other men were chasing him in a rainstorm. And during the flee, Hardin had his handkerchief covering the shotgun to keep the powder dry as it was raining. Uh, the handkerchief flew off and Harden aimed at Walner, had him dead to sights, pulled the trigger, and the shotgun misfired. Harden then sees that he needs to get the heck out of Texas. He meets his wife and child. Again, I don't think it's known how they get out of protective custody, but they leave. And uh, Harden claims that they will seek revenge on the family members who were lynched. The family then takes on a new alias of Swain and eventually finding their way to Florida. Hardin, with his now wife and now two-year-old daughter, opens up a saloon as soon as he leaves Texas. Oh, God. Literally the first day it opens, he is identified by two visiting Texans in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Which had to be... The best sight in the world, didn't it? I'm so glad we got out of that craziness that's going on in Texas. Open up the freaking saloon. Uh. Oh, no. See, I picture it a different way. I picture like John Wesley. Hey, I'm going to open up my own business and nobody knows me here. And this is great. And we're, we're scot free, guys. Opens up the door after like weeks of hard work to get it open. Sits down and his first customer goes. Hey, you're John Wesley Harden. 
I love that image of him like polishing the glass and then like the glass breaking in his hand because he's squeezing it so hard. Harden, again, has a $4,000 reward on his head at this point. They want him real good back in Texas. Dead or alive, right? Dead or alive. $4,000 reward can buy you a hell of a lot in 1870s Texas. So a lot of men were willing to cross borders, including the Pinkertons. An undercover Texas Ranger named Jack Duncan intercepted a letter that was sent to Hardin's father-in-law, written by Hardin's brother-in-law. The later mentioned that Hardin was hiding out on the Alabama-Florida border and was using the name James W. McSwain. Assuming Hardin still had friends in the county over in Texas, the undercover Texas Ranger, again Jack Duncan, disguised as a day laborer, intercepted a letter that was sent to Hardin's father-in-law. The letter then confirmed that he was indeed going by the name James W. Swain. He then went to Alabama. The group rise off to find out that the Swains were no longer there. But luckily, the man had been the man he had been talking to actually was a friend of the new Swain family. He then let them know that they were hi- that they were well, they didn't know they were hiding. He let them now know that the family was now residing in Pensacola, Florida. They then track down Hardin and buy off one of his friends, and they track him to a railroad car in Pensacola. Duncan and John Armstrong stationed the local deputies at each other at each end of the railroad car and walked in to confront Hardin. Upon realizing who Armstrong was, Hardin shouted, Texas by God, and attempted to draw his concealed pistol. The pistol got caught on one of Hardin's suspenders, and Armstrong and his men were able to secure Hardin, and then knocked him out. Sprinting him out of Florida before his friends could secure his release, Armstrong returned Hardin back to the county officials. His trial began in Comanche, Texas on October 2nd, 1877. The trial occupied two days, both Friday and Saturday, and a good portion of the night was attended by the largest body of spectators, perhaps, that had ever been assembled in the county on one occasion. Friday morning, the trial of John Wesley Harden was called. The indictment charged John Wesley Harden and James Taylor of having murdered Charlie Webb in Comanche County, and on the 26th day of, of May, 1874, Harden pleaded not guilty because, of course, he did. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course, he did. More than half of the day was occupied just obtaining the jury, but then it began. Harden presented an, quote, indifferent and fearless countenance during the trial, and on the second day of the trial, about 8 p.m., arguments closed and the j- jury went to deliberate. An hour and a half later, they found Harden guilty of second-degree murder. Harden was then ordered to be jailed in the penitentiary and hard labor for 25 years. All of that murder for 25 years. I mean, that's that's longer than what he was been, has been alive. Yes. He's like 24. It's about even because he's about 24, 25 right now by the time they catch him. They could only get him on second degree murder because they couldn't prove that he fired first when they went into the saloon. 
but I can almost guarantee you, Charlie Webb didn't. <laughs> Harden showed no emotion in the courtroom. Harden had been warned by the officer that any action he might take might actually turn the crowd into a mob. He is said to have wept bitterly after he was returned to jail, he being Harden, and complained that the jury had been too hard on him. Quote, In conversation with your correspondent, Harden stated that his trial had been fair as he could expect, considering the fact that they were not trying a man charged of a crime, but they were charging John Wesley Harden. He seemed very grateful for his treatment he received here. He stated that he had no fear for a mob from this county, but he did fear the people in Brown and Coleman counties. He indulged several fits of weeping and evidently felt the punishment of death could not have been much worse than what he was about to receive. Poor baby. Well, now that he's caught, you know. No, it's not fair. Yeah. It's not fair. It was all fun and games until he actually got caught. For 25 years. That's all. He is taken to Huntsville Prison, where his appeals to be released are denied. Uh, he was delivered to the state penitentiary at Huntsville to ben begin his sentence. Uh, the prisoner record from Huntsville archives show he was uh, not exactly the best prisoner. He was punished normally using lashes for offenses such as gambling, inciting other prisoners, and refusing to work. He was pardoned in February 17th, 1894, after serving 17 years. That's quite a while. I mean, 17 of the 25? Five. Yep. For While he was in there. So he murdered? Uh, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, so he was pardoned during the 17 years that he was actually in there. This is when he writes his very accurate autobiography. He doesn't finish it ever, but he starts writing it in here, which makes sense why he becomes so pious as thou in his autobiography, because he's trying to tell everyone I'm not as bad of a guy as you think. On one occasion, Harden was given 39 lashes for planning a prison escape. And here's the kicker. While in prison... He actually helps out another man's trial. Hardin starts to study the law and passes the Texas State Bar. When he is paroled, he starts his own law practice. Wow. Good for him. He's really mm -hmm. making waves. He's really turning his life around. Is he? Oh, what? no. What has he done other than sit in jail for 17 years? and Become a lawyer. Flawed autobiography. He's not a lawyer. Uh, before he's able to, before he's able to uh, be released, he does. His wife dies in November 1892, so she doesn't actually see him out. I'm not entirely sure what happened to his daughter, but I'm going to assume she wanted none of that. So after he's released, Harden turns to drink again. And does start his own law practice. Because he is, I don't know, a notorious murderer, 
his law practice never actually takes off. He spends his day gambling and drinking. During which day of gambling, he may have won a 15-year-old girl in a poker game that he marries. Jesus. Now, she was kind of a wild child. Not that that's excusable to be one in a poker game. They separate after three months. They only knew each other for a total of six months. And she just... She's a, she's a girl. She was kind of a rebellious girl. Um, yeah. Never officially divorcing the 15-year-old, he does start to date another man's wife. Though they're, the both of them are separated, and the wife has no intention of getting back together with the, with the husband. Either way, it doesn't matter to the husband because he wants to come and find Hardin and kill him for sleeping with his wife. Luckily, before Hardin can kill him, a few other men with guns do it before Hardin can do it himself. The husband is now dead. Problem solved. He didn't do anything. Finally, a man that angered John Wesley Hardin that Hardin doesn't kill himself. In August of that year, Hardin's girlfriend was caught with a gun inside the city and arrested by El Paso officer John Selman. Hardin who had never learned to completely control his anger, becomes angry. Bystanders overhear him threaten Selman for bothering his girl. Not long after Hardin's arrest, or after not long after Hardin's threat, Selman went to go look for Hardin and found Hardin drinking and throwing dice at the Acme Saloon in El Paso, Texas. Selman walked up behind Hardin and fired at Harden without knowing he was there. Or Harden had enough time to turn around and to meet the bullet as it enters the inside of his eye. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I, he's not coming back from that one. Oh, he's dead. He well dead. He was 42 years old. He had only been out of jail for 18 months. The El Paso Times reported on August 21st. The people of El Paso breathed a sigh of relief yesterday morning when it was read in the Times that the story of the killing of John Wesley Harden at the Acme. Monday night by John Selman. It was said that it looked like a murder, but all in agree say that it had been what they had been expecting. Three out of every four persons met Captain Selman, said Captain Selman, had done the proper thing in killing Harden and taking no chances. While the fourth would admit that Harden's death was a good thing for El Paso, but he thought he should have had his day. He should have been given his showing. Nah. No, <laughs> he shouldn't no. have been given. Well, he's now dead. I have never been happier to see someone dead <laughs> more in my life than John Wesley Harden. Are you ready to rank him? Let's do it. <laughs> are you satisfied? This is our biography round. Matt and I are going to be handing out points between negative 10 and positive 10 apiece, depending on how well he liked his story. And Matt, how much of a negative 20 would you like to give him in this round? A really hard negative 20? <laughs> yeah. I mean, does he get what's worse? I mean, the dude literally only did bad things. There was no redeeming anything. Like he was a bad guy. 
Yes. Do you remember when we did Jesse James and I want, and I said, you're going to want to hold on to that 10. Yeah. This was the guy I was thinking of. I mean, geez, there is no comparison, right? He's a bad dude. He is above anyone we're going to cover. And if I'm wrong, I hope I'm not wrong. Jesus Christ. Can you imagine if someone is worse? Like, okay. Harden has no redeeming qualities. No. Like he is not even an, I, I, the whole time I was thinking, how did he get married? <laughs> like, what was his wife like? Was she a bad guy too? Pure intimidation. I don't know. I, uh, I wonder what his kid grew up to be like. Oof. Away from him. <laughs> right. Thank God. I mean, starting from eight, like it was just one bad thing after the other. It's not like he, like he went, oh, he saved a bunch of people. Nope. He killed everybody he went to. Like, no. Yeah. Easily and easily easiest negative 10 I've ever given. Yeah. Probably. It better be the easiest negative 10 we're ever going to give. I'm hoping we don't have any more negative 10s. I can't cause... believe there is someone like that and that he's not more well known. That's what I can't believe. We'll get into that in legacy, but. He blows Jesse out of the water. Yeah. Jesse James is the famous name. And I guess like you could say with Jesse, there's some like you could say everything was brought on to Jesse James and that's why he was the bad guy. That's not the same with Harden. Well, I mean, and even like, yeah, uh, like Jesse James got the whole like, like the gang together and everything and like they robbed banks and stuff. But like he did it in a way to where like he would get the crowd on his side. Remember, like. Mm -hmm who's here is poor or whatever. Okay. We're not right. going to take anything from you. This guy was just like, you bump him, bump into him on accident. Kills you. Yep. You, you look at him, kills you. Yep. I mean, you're you, like playing poker with him. Kills you. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, come on. I would lo- like going, we'll talk about it more in legacy, but I can see why he's not well known because who wants to talk about this guy? Right. Like who wants like, why, why do we want to talk about someone in history that's like this? You're not going to write a movie about John Wesley Harden. He'll be the villain. He'll be the ultimate bad guy. Right. He'll be the, and, he'll be the, yes, he'll, he will be the bad guy of the story that the good guy's trying to track down the whole time. But even then, nobody really stood up for him. He stayed with every family member he had in Texas. There was no other than Wild Bill who allegedly. I mean, while, I mean, Harden would have been like 1920. I mean, the, the story of Harden doing the road agent spin on wild bill, complete BS. I don't believe it for a second to think that wild bill as experienced as he was would fall to that type of trick. Right. Is almost laughable. (laughs) Like really funny stuff. Right. I, I mean, you almost wish I if you can fantasy play, if we could just put uh, what John Wesley Harden in the place of Tut in like the famous duel for Wild Bill Hickok, I think Bill would take him. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Wesley was he was quick. He was very quick, but I think Bill was quicker Bill and, and a better shot because right. it seems like like Hickok would be a better shot to me. Harden was so close to everyone. Harden was a good shot himself, like I said, but 
I think you have like on a scale of one to 10, maybe Harden's a nine. I think Bill's a 10. Now there's no way for me to measure that other than whatever, but Bill would practice daily on his marksmanship because he was afraid people are after him. Right. He's I want, nervous the whole time. I want, I want that duel to happen and it won't because they're both dead, obviously, right. but okay. Negative, negative 20. We didn't even need to say our numbers, but negative 20 for all you satisfied next round. Be sure you are right and go ahead. This is our morality round. Again, we're handing out points between negative 10, and I think we can just stop right there. There's not going to be any positive. <laughs> Everything we just I mean, we already touched on it last. We already touched on it the last round. Like, he had no good, like, qualities. There was not a single good thing about him. Nope. No, there was not. And I think he, that's he all is... we need to really say about that. To hell with the consequences. This is our crazy or clever round. We're going to, again, hand out points between negative 10 and positive 10 based on if we think he was crazy or if he was clever. Um, we... I, I'm going to say negative 8. I don't think he was, like, extreme psychopath. But I still think he was pretty crazy. I think if he didn't write, if his autobiography wasn't so laced with look how innocent I am. Everything I did was in self-defense. I would go negative 10, but that is telling me I knew what I was doing. I knew what I did was wrong and I have to make it up real quick right? <laughs> or else I'm not going to get out of jail. And that's all that was, but so like he was the ability, like the ability right. was gone. Right. So I think, I think that's fair. I'm going to go negative nine. Just because there's, yeah, just for that one, I'm going to basically give him a point for not being a complete psychopath. Well, yeah, he's, he's a complete psychopath, but he wasn't absolutely off the hinge. There'd be a worldwide, or there'd be a countrywide manhunt if that dude was doing that today. Right. Yeah, he would be much more on the, like, he blows even when you th compare him to modern day like the zodiac he's up there with the zodiac killer he's up there with uh ted kaczynski the unabomber draw <laughs> yeah we're dead uh, i mean dude we so, we wouldn't even make it outside no uh so i should probably say draw so we're gonna lock his score because john wesley harden as uh and negative by quite a ways, we're going to continue to subtract points from him. If he was positive, we would continue to add points to him here. We're just going to hand out points between zero and 10 and take that away from him on how well we think we would do in a duel against John Wesley Harden. And we did. Oh yeah. Like I said, if we, he, we even got in an argument, we turn our backs to walk outside and be dead. Do we, even, we do we even need to be in an argument? No, 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 we're walking by him and accidentally like scuff up his boot. He just needs to be uh, there and drunk, not even drunk. And, and then we got to be worried. Yeah, if he's in the same room, we're worried. Yes, I'm leaving that saloon and hoping he doesn't see me leave because he's probably going to take offense that I'm leaving and then just shoot me. Don't go around this dude. <sighs> Legacy. How well known is he? Again, we're going to be handing points between zero and 10 and keep subtracting those points from him. Matt, 
How well known is he? Three. Like I, I had never heard of the guy. Never, never knew anything he did. Never knew. I mean, literally, the only reason is like he had to have been, I guess, mentioned, uh, because you know he ran into um, Hickok and stuff. But yeah, I didn't know. I don't think a lot of people know who he is. I mean, what did you say? You you learned about him how long ago? Only like two or three years ago. Yeah. See. So. Which makes perfect because, like, who wants to claim this guy? Right. <laughs> not ours. He's not ours. This was a he hard episode. Not to ours, research. guys. I'm going to assume this is a hard episode to listen to because he was such a madman. <laughs> like, and the like, the worst. Like, this isn't even a fictional story. We're gonna go into his counting coup in a bit, and this all happened you don't know how much of it happened but like this well i think it all happened it's just in the way it happened right we don't know so i'm gonna go negative four because you have to be you have to know wild west figures and outlaws to know him now he's he's not obviously he's not wild bill he's not billy the kid he's kind of that b tier uh so even at yeah, B or C tier. I it depends. Once you know him though, you will never forget him. Right. It's just yeah. here's I your mean, introduction. How can you? You can't What's that forget the name him. of that psychopath. Oh yeah, Tom Wesley Harden. There was even in one of the documentaries I was watching for this, um, Drew Gomer actually said that parents would say to their children that if they didn't behave, Wes Harden was gonna come after you. Oh my god. He was literally the boogeyman. That's funny. And looking at his picture, I'm sure he's the boogeyman. Uh, I think, and then just looking at, because I wasn't under like, someone had to write about this guy, right? He's in like one movie, I think in like wild, uh, there was a, a, oh, I forget it off the top of my head now. I should have wrote it down. But he's in like, he's a minor character in like a 1990s movie. I think it was the Hickok movie with, um, uh, Kurt, not Kurt Russell. Oh my goodness. Somebody is furious with me shouting at the radio right now. Oh, I can't remember the name, but it was the Hickok with, uh, that guy. Who was the dude in the big Lebowski? Um, Jeff Bridges. There it is. Or Jeff is it Bridges John Goodman? Played. No, it wasn't John Goodman. But anyway, uh, it was in, I think it was in that movie, but I'm probably wrong. I should really look that up. So anyway, negative seven. Next round, death bonus points. We're going to hand out just bonus points. If we think he had a cool death between negatives, between zero and two, shot in the back of the head. Nah. Maybe. I'm going to say no. No? No. Nah. I mean, for how crazy it was, I would have liked it more if like they like hung him. <laughs> I don't think there's a punishment involved that I would... Like the bamboo underneath the fingernails while oh. being Chinese water tortured while being tickled. Like I, <laughs> there's not, there's not a punishment bad enough for this man. I'm going to go negative one because he was, he was shot in the back of the head. He was killed in the saloon. Okay. Next round counting coup. How many men did he kill? And then we're dividing that number by 10. And wouldn't you know, there's a dispute on just how many men he killed. I'm going to say 25. 
he admits in his autobiography to 27. Oh, I was close. I was close. Historians think that number can go up to 42. Holy moly. So what are we saying? Meet in the middle? That's the debate. Because... Say like 30? In the middle would be about 35. I'm full. I'm fine with 35. Yeah, let's do 35. Which is... 3.5. 3.5. And uh, our highest by a lot. I was going to ask if that was our, our highest uh, death bone or uh, counting that two. Is, well, even if you think everyone that's gotten double digits. So Jesse James got double digits. He got 16. And a lot of that because he was a soldier in the Confederate Army. Yep. Or he was a bushwhacker. Other than that, everyone who's gotten 10 was a general or a soldier type thing where we can't really debate how much we can't really put a number on how many people they killed now he wanted to join the confederates but he he was too young he was nine uh this is a legitimate body count of possibly up to 42 dang that is insane right so i haven't added up the math yet but He's our high scorer, I guarantee it. Our low scorer, the ultimate baddie. His total score is negative 81.5. 81, negative 81.5. Holy moly. Jesse James actually beats him out because he actually had a much bigger legacy score. Mm. Makes sense. So he is not our ultimate baddie, but it's only because nobody knows his name. He was so bad. Nobody wanted to talk about him. So with that, we're going to end this really hard episode to research. And I'm assuming listen to with Jesus Christ. Let's never do someone this bad again. (laughs) I don't think it could get much worse. This was the low point, I'm thinking. Like, it's not going to get much worse than it this. It only goes up from here, folks. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. We've reached the bottom of the barrel. We sure did. To bad guys. All right. So next up, we are going to go ahead and draft Mr. Harden here. So what's going to happen is Eric's going to flip a coin. I'm going to call it. The winner has the choice of drafting them on his team um and the teams are 20 for me 20 for eric the rest go into a free agent pool kind of like the fantasy football league all right so let's go ahead and flip then and we're flipping heads it is tails shoot so Eric gets to decide. I think I have to take him. Yeah, if you wouldn't have took him, I was like, I guess I have to take him then. Keep my streak of bad guys going. It's looking like it's right now going to be bad guys versus good guys. I was actually kind of hoping for that. I. It makes no sense to drop him. Like, morally... I'm a little disappointed in myself because I don't want this guy on my team, but 
it's the story. It's a hell of a story. It's just a really bad story. You compare him because like you're never going to forget him. So yeah, I'm taking John Wesley Harden and, and wild bills now on my team. Cause you traded him. So these two can have a nice little interaction again, little Arkansas and wild bill. Look at that. And I think with that, I'm going to go um, probably have a drink or two because this, this was a tale. And remember, folks, if you liked what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a nice rank and rating on your favorite podcast that you're listening to us on. You can also check out our new website, ranking76.wordpress.com, where you will find us on our Reddit link as well as our Facebook link. Um, to join over. Um, Eric and I both respond to comments, so we'd love to hear from you. Um, and you can also see the scores up until now, what our teams are, um, and view any other episodes that you may have liked. Uh, again, we appreciate all the support. Thank you very much. And as always, I'm Eric. And I'm Matt. And we will see you next time. 